Welcome to the Eventualities Podcast, interesting conversations with the people behind our favourite regional festivals and events. We dive into the memorable experiences they create, the unexpected challenges they've overcome and what they've learned along the way. The iconic Parks Elvis Festival is a celebration of the life and music of Elvis Presley, held annually in Parks, New South Wales in the second week of January to coincide with the birthday of the King. From Wednesday to Sunday, more than 150 events take place at venues in and around parks. The festival attracts headline international and national Elvis tribute artists and more than 26,000 national and international visitors to Central West New South Wales. Kathy Treasure is the Parks Elvis Festival Director. Life has never been boring for Kathy, and June 2016 saw her shake, rattle and roll from Brisbane to the regional town of Parks to steer one of Australia's most unique events into the future. Highlights of Cathy's career include working on the Sydney 2000 Olympics, the ICC Cricket World Cups in Australia, South Africa and the Caribbean, the 2003 IRB Rugby World Cup and the inaugural ICC World 2020. Welcome, Cathy. Hi, Belinda. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for making the time. I'm really excited about this chat and we've got a lot to cover. So let's get underway. Can you start by telling us a little bit about the history of the Parks Elvis Festival? It's obviously heading into its 29th year in 2022, and we'll get on to 2020 and 2021 soon. Um, But can you, yeah, just talk to us about the history? How did it start? Why did it start? Look, the first festival was in 1993, and yes, 2021 would have been its 29th year, and now that's going to be 2022. It all started uh, with Bob and Ann Steele, uh, a couple of locals who were Elvis fans. Uh, they had a hotel and a restaurant called Gracelands, and as all good ideas start, there was a bit of red wine and a, a birthday party involved. Bob cranked up the Elvis uh, music, as legend has it, and everyone started dancing. And I thought, hey, wouldn't it be great to have an Elvis festival in January in parks? And and the rest is history. Okay. And how, from that dinner party to the actual first Elvis festival, how long was that? Look, not as long as Anne would have liked. Uh, Bob wanted to hold it uh, straight away. She talked him into holding off until the January uh, to pull it all together. And, and they were also smart business people. They weren't just, uh, you, know, you know, Elvis enthusiasts. They realised that in January in the country that, you know, most people are still paying off their Christmas debts or they take off to the coast and their hotel was empty in their restaurant. So they thought, what can we actually do? Get people to town. And yeah, they pulled together the event in, in only a few months. And it was only a small affair, but lots of fun as it has been every year since then. And then it's grown probably the first 10 years, which is smaller events. And then it took off to what it is today. That is absolutely amazing. I've um, been fortunate to meet Bob and Anne and they are still fairly heavily involved in the festival, aren't they? They sure are. And uh, in, in all aspects of it, Anne still feeds me. When I first started, she'd turn up here when it gets really busy with some lamingtons and some cakes and uh, this year during the festival when it was extremely hectic, we'd get back to the office late at night and there'd be a tray of home-cooked food, food waiting for us. So apart from organising events and volunteering as much as she can, you know, they're always part, part of the festival. Oh, they're beautiful, beautiful people. That's amazing. Why do you think Elvis still has a following today, I guess especially in Australia? Look, his music's timeless and you you listen to his songs, you hear the remakes as well. I mean, A Little Less Conversation had a big resurgence with the remix, uh, so many movies. Most people have grown up listening to Elvis in some way and 
he's really ingrained in popular culture as well. So you'll watch a lot of, you know, I'll be reading kids' books with my children, not myself, and then you'll actually see a reference to Elvis in that, Milo and Stitch. You, you just look at all the, the different references to Elvis that just bring his memory to all different generations. It's amazing. And how did, I guess, Bob and Anne in the first instance and now you guys as paid staff and committee and things go about developing that relationship with, well, yeah, and I guess the legacy of Elvis. So you've got strong relationships over in the States with the Elvis Presley estate, I understand. Yes, we deal with them quite regularly. So we are officially endorsed by Elvis Presley Enterprises and that's only been in the last few years and it's really taken the festival to the next level. So we can use images of Elvis. Uh, They've seen how we really are respecting his memory and promoting him to a whole new audience. So it's brilliant working with them. They expose us to all the fans in the US. Like I I regularly do uh, media interviews with US fan-based clubs and it's taken us really to the next level. I didn't know that. That's exciting. And have you or any of the team been able to go over and visit? Not yet. We were going this year. Uh, every year we've been going to, to Elvis Week and something's happened and obviously COVID killed it this year. But something else that I found really interesting was on one of our Facebook posts regarding the cancellation of the festival, there was actually some chatter from people who knew Elvis personally from the States that had never been to the festival. So it's even showing that our Facebook page has been followed by you know, real Elvis fans and people who knew the king themselves. Oh, my goodness. So I guess touching on that, how have you guys been able to be so successful with your marketing and attract, the, the I guess, the visitation that you're getting, but also the international exposure? Because when you look at it and what you are able to do every year in terms of, yeah, visitation and reads, it's absolutely remarkable. There's a lot of thought and creativity and strategy that goes into it. So it's not just a fluke. Uh, We do a very detailed marketing plan every year. Uh, We try to balance sense of humour and doing things a bit quirky. I mean, it's a very unique event and a unique product, but we also get put that professional edge onto it as well. So we don't try and make fun of Elvis in any way. So we can use his imagery, uh, but we try and, so we're, we're tapping into that really passionate fan base, but then we're doing things a bit differently as well to sort of tap into those first time Elvis fans. That's great. Let's jump to staff then and the team, because I think that will flow into the marketing. So how many are in your team? And then I guess, what does that grow to as we get closer to the festival and you've got your maybe committees, subcommittees, volunteers? Can you talk a bit on that? Look, we have a huge team of two. So there's myself and uh, Tiffany Steele. And Tiff's actually a wonderful story for the festival because she's Bob and Anne's daughter. So she was at the first festival, I think doing a bit of emceeing when she was around 17. And uh, she went away and actually worked in event management professionally around the world. And then she, we've been so fortunate that she's come back and joined the team. So she was with us for the first time for the last festival which was great. So not only is she skilled, but she's also got that personal connection and passion for the event. So there's the two of us, but we are part of Parkshire Council. So we're part of the economic development team. And obviously everyone from that team pitches in and helps, especially in the lead up to the festival. Uh, Then in council, it grows and we have all operational staff and, and people from different areas of council. And we did laugh last week we needed an Elvis suit and it was like, whose office has got an Elvis suit hanging behind it at the moment in council? And, and there were many to choose from, so it was great. And then we, we go into, we have 10 portfolio holders who are volunteers who work throughout the year 
and that increases to around 100 volunteers each year. Okay. So yeah, a very small team and you managed to do a huge amount. I didn't realize it was just the two of you. With the way the Park Selvis Festival is set up, are you, so is it wholly owned by council or are you a separate entity? It is uh, owned by council. So it was a volunteer organisation. We're managed under a section 355 of council, but now the volunteers actually came to us and said it's growing too big for us and we need council's assistance and then council willingly took it on. Uh, hopefully willingly, that was before my time and it's just grown from there. But we've also maintained those connections with the volunteer groups because that's really important in event management is to not forget the soul of the festival and the people who've helped create it to make it become what it is. Yeah, fantastic. With the volunteers, is that something that you're managing yourself or, or TIFF, I guess, and how does that work? And I guess, can you talk us through the volunteer program with Elvis? Right. Well, Tiff and I volunteer, manage the whole program. However, we have a very passionate volunteer, volunteer coordinator, Sue McGrath, who's been working on the festival for many, many years. So she actually deals uh, with the volunteers face-to-face and helps us with scheduling. Uh, we normally bring in someone else from council to assist her. Uh, we have a new computerised, uh, Rostify, a new computerised system for managing volunteers. And we normally call out for help at around June and then build up that database, do training in November, December. And a lot of the volunteers we've had with us for many years, some have been working for for every year of the 28 years. And we're trying now to try and get some younger volunteers and to deal with universities and to see if we can get some skilled workforce, event workforce to come on board and help us as well. And has that been working? It has. We've had some brilliant university students last year and we're hoping to build on that this year. And from working in universities myself in the past, you know, you can't really teach event management in a classroom. You don't know what it's like to be an event manager until you get out on the ground. So I'm really encouraging people who want to work in events to to come and do it. I love the comment that Vicky made in her uh, from Denny in her podcast about you get asked, you know, what do you do all year as an event manager? And that's why it's wonderful when the students come in and actually see that you know, from early on, it's really busy and you've got a lot of things to do and you can't push it back if you miss a deadline. Um, it's not as if you can go home at five and, and do it the next day. You have to stay and finish it. Such um, good advice there. And yes, so true. So are the uni students you're getting, are they students who maybe live in parks and go away for uni and come back or are they actually people who maybe, you know, live in capital cities or other regional areas that are coming for that real life experience? At this stage, we've had locals, but I am encouraging people from other, other areas to come here as well and we could possibly billet them out with existing volunteers. Uh, we currently have 10 portfolio holders, as we call them, who actually run specific events uh, throughout the festival who are volunteers and, and they're looking for assistance all year. And also with that, you know, the skills transfer that we need from the volunteers who have been doing it for 27 years who may need a break. We need some of the younger, younger volunteers to come through. Yeah, absolutely. And if people are interested in volunteering who maybe don't live in parks, but maybe they're listening to this and think we really want to get along to the Parks Elvis Festival, maybe a good ways to volunteer. Is that something that you're open to? Definitely. Uh, We do have a link on our website where you can register, which is setting up a new form at the moment for 2022. Obviously, the dates and everything have changed. So hang off a, a couple of months for that one. However, if you're interested in doing work in the lead up, 
rather than just on the event, just call the office and ask to speak to Tiffany or myself and we'll work out a time. Or even if you want to do something remotely, we can always, I shouldn't say palm off work, but allocate uh, different components that can be done remotely as well. Yeah, that's fantastic. And I think if this year's taught us anything is that we can do a lot more things remotely besides the actual festival, of course. But I think, you know, I know personally, I get a lot of people reach out to me looking for work experience. So it's great that festivals such as yours are offering that. So that's a great tip. Thank you. Talking a little bit about the community, can you give us, I guess, some further insight into that community support that the festival I guess is known for and has been built on because that's essentially how it started so have you got the community fully on board with this festival? We do the the parks community is wonderful and I love looking back at um, the different survey results and a lot of the comments are it's the friendliest town in Australia the the best festival to come to and meet the locals of I mean, this year you'll see locals standing waiting for the shuttle bus and then one of the volunteers will pull over and give them a lift uh, so they don't have to wait in the heat. So everyone gets to to know a park's local when they come to the festival. The businesses get involved and decorate their shop windows. They change their menus to be Elvis-themed. And we have a lot of community organisations who raise money through the festival. So examples are ones like the Rugby League Club, the Spacemen, they want to t- run a temporary caravanning and camping ground. So does a hockey club, a Rotary does their great barbecue every year and raises money through that. We have volunteers from Currajong Disability Services and a lot of the local dance groups and entertainers get involved and perform for the crowds. And, and the more locals we have involved, I guess the prouder we are of the festival and, and showing off local talent. Yeah, that's amazing. For a town that's not huge and obviously wouldn't have a lot of accommodation offerings, especially when we're talking about 26,000 visitors coming in in January, what have you done to overcome the accommodation shortage? Accommodation is the biggest challenge that we have for this festival and I know I've spoken at, at many seminars for yourself, Belinda, on this topic, so I could speak for hours. However, we've tried to come up with some creative ways to create more accommodation. So, for example, we have Gracelands on the Green, which is tented accommodation. As I mentioned before, a lot of the sporting groups actually run temporary caravan and camping, and we took that to the next level this year through a sponsorship with Camplify, so you can actually hire out uh, an RV or a caravan uh, if you don't have one and place it on one of the temporary accommodation outlets here in parks. We've worked a lot with surrounding towns. The motels and hotels in town are obviously booked out far in advance, but we've worked with places like Peak Hill in our Shire, uh, Forbes, Cowra, Orange, to actually provide uh, motel accommodation and then a lot of shuttle buses so that people can stay there and still enjoy uh, the accommodation. Some people prefer to stay at a motel in in 40-degree heat. So we were always looking for new ways to get more accommodation. A tip, though, for newcomers is that often in November, people are reconfirming their accommodation for motels and hotels that they've booked, uh, you know, months in advance. And so that's when the cancellations occur. So I think if you ever want to come to the festival, you can get accommodation. You just have to persevere. Another thing that we've done that's been really successful is home hosting. So the locals actually rent out their house. And we do that through Ray White Real Estate. And you can either rent out a room in a house or an entire house and and come and stay at the festival. The locals go away and go to the coast and hire out their beautiful houses. 
I think you're ahead of um, the curve. It's like Airbnb, isn't it? But the Elvis, <laughs> the Elvis version. So yeah, I love what you've done with that home hosting because I know a lot of other festivals around the country have looked to you and your model for what you've done with that. Likewise, it's great to hear about this Campify. Is that what you called it? That, yes. Yeah, it's great to see that that's up and running because I know when you spoke at maybe the conference in 2018 in Port Macquarie, you were looking at some other different avenues for accommodation. So it's great to see that that's come about and will hopefully be good to go for 2022. Yes, we try and do something new each year and expand the festival in some way with somewhere new for you to stay. Yeah, that's great. So let's talk about the financial impact of the festival on the town. Obviously, with it not going ahead in 2021, the town will notice a huge um, loss in terms of that financial impact for, for January. So can you let us know about what it does bring into not just parks, I guess, but the surrounding areas as well? It brings in at least 13 million to the regional economy every year. And that goes across a whole range of businesses, you know, pubs, clubs, cafes, restaurants, retail and accommodation outlets. But there's also the flow on effect, which a lot of people don't appreciate. So you know, the pubs and clubs may hire extra staff. Those staff then have extra wages during the year, then they might spend that to improve their houses and, and use local landscapers or building supplies. So there's a lot of flow on effects of this festival, not just the money that's earned over the week in January. That is huge, isn't it? Amazing. Now, one of the other, not an issue, but something that you guys have, I guess, a potential challenge that you've turned into a great initiative is transport to the festival. So the Elvis Train Initiative is an event within an event. Can you talk to us about this? Look, it's one of the, uh, you know, I guess, most well-known parts of the festival is the New South Wales Train Link Elvis Express and it leaves from Sydney on the Thursday morning uh, packed full of fans and Elvi who sing and dance their way all the way to parks and stroll out to a packed platform of locals and and fans um, to greet them. So it's a brilliant experience. Uh, Initially, there was just the Elvis Express, uh, Lachlan Valley Rail, also now running the Blue Suede Express, and it's more of a heritage train. So we have two trains coming in every uh, the Thursday of the festival. And also Rex run the regional Hound Dog Express. So for those of you who can't last eight to nine hours on a train listening to Elvis, there are the ones who can just do the, you know, the short 40-minute flight and also get that lovely parts welcome. Yeah, that's amazing. And how many people are on that train from Sydney generally? Is it packed full of just specifically for the Elvis Festival? It is. It's exclusively for the Elvis Festival. We have around 400 that turn up on those trains. And if you've seen the platform when they arrive, it, it's incredible. Uh, the people that are there to, to cheer them on when they arrive. And the costumes, I love going there just to look at the costumes of the people on the train. It's absolutely incredible. There's a group of ladies who come every second year and have been for probably at least 10 years. And they all coordinate their outfits. They're absolutely beautiful and they're in theme. And just seeing them get off the train and, and then some of the Elvi in different sorts of suits, all shapes and sizes, it's, it's great to see. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. And I know even leaving Central Station, it always gets a lot of media attention and the fanfare there is, is amazing to see. So it's great that you also now got those yeah, extra relationships with the additional train service and Rex. And obviously a lot of people drive in as well. Yeah. And last year it was actually named as one of the best train trips in the world via the media so we're quite proud of that that yes you can 
come to parks and uh, it, it's known internationally as yeah one of the best train trips. Oh, well done. Congratulations. Can you tell us a little bit about the sponsorship arrangements that you have maybe currently and also that you've maybe had in the past and how you've built those up and the relationships you've developed? And I guess, is that a constant ongoing for you? How are you finding the sponsorship environment in general at the moment? Look, sponsorship is always a constant and something that you have to work hard at every single year. Uh, And something that I'm quite proud of how our team has handled it. A lot of our sponsors are in multi-year arrangements. It would actually take me too long to probably go through them all now because we've got a really good solid base of sponsors that have come back for repeated years. And we're really proud of them in that relationship, but that takes a lot of work. It's not just signing on the dotted line and then uh, taking the money and putting up their logo anymore. There's a lot of relationship building. They need to get value. They need to get some unique exposure through the festival. And and that's something that I think we do really well. Yeah, absolutely you do. And are you finding, were sponsors okay after the announcements you've made this year, which we'll talk about shortly, but have you found that most of them have stayed on for 2021? I guess if they were in those multi-year agreements, they would. But has generally most people been, you know, on board with you? They've been amazingly supportive and, uh, you know, breaking news to a sponsor that we've had to cancel the event is always hard, but every single one of them has supported us in that decision and are continuing on in the future. Uh, One of our major sponsors will be finishing their project in the region shortly, so we will be looking for another major sponsor in that space, but um, we're already in negotiations with a couple and uh, if you have a look, we've done... uh, quite comical uh, pitch to Super Sheep Auto if you've been looking at at Facebook and uh, our theme is Speedway. So we're always looking for new ways to connect with new sponsors and grow that sponsorship base because the more sponsors we have, the more free entertainment and, and things we can provide. I I did see that video over the weekend. I love it. And I'll put a link in the show notes so people can check it out. It's very clever. And in line with what you guys are doing in terms of being creative and quirky and I guess pushing the boundaries. So well done on that. And with your sponsorship, are you getting a mix of local sponsors and national sponsors? Yes, we do. So we've got uh, great support, obviously, from Destination New South Wales and and the promotions that we receive through them is absolutely brilliant. Uh, But then we have a lot of local businesses that sign up and really want to support the community and they see the value that it brings in. So we try and get a balance of about half from outside the region and about half from in. Yeah, that's fantastic. Moving on, let's have a chat about, I guess, this year you got to hold your event in January this year, which feels like more than a year ago already, a lifetime ago. But you announced in August that the January 2021 event would be pushed back to March. And then more recently, you've made the announcement that it won't be going ahead in 2021, but everyone's gearing up for 2022. So can you just talk through that process and how that's been, not just for you and TIFF, but I guess for the whole community of parks? It's been a very difficult few months, but obviously we're in... (laughs) I should say, a very fortunate position compared to most events in 2020 that couldn't run at all. So uh, when we had our festival in January amongst bushfires, dust storms and lots of, you know, know, most most of uh, Australia was in a state of emergency, I thought this is the worst time of the year to run a festival and how wrong I was when you look at the rest of 2020. But we started planning back in March. So as soon as COVID hit, we sort of set some deadlines, like when will we be able to still pull the festival together? 
uh, what sort of numbers are we looking at, what restrictions are we looking at, and then we set some dates from then. And we're pretty well stuck to those. We decided, you know, that we still wanted to try and run it. And I'm an optimist and I've been proven wrong all year being an optimist. But I was hoping that things would be better if we pushed it back to March. But the improvements haven't happened quick enough. And there's a lot of fear in the local communities in the regions. We've been very fortunate not to have COVID here. But that's also meant that you know we don't want to bring it here and be responsible for introducing it to the town so we went out to after we delayed it to march the changes we wanted to see happen by the end of september didn't really start to happen and then we put out a survey to ask both the businesses and the locals what do you think do you want us to go ahead or are you willing to to risk the economic um, damage that it may have and predominantly everyone wanted to cancel it and start afresh for 2022 so we listened to, we asked the community we listened and um, we made that decision quite early yeah and well done I think the way you've handled it has been a really good case study in best practice I know we're all navigating this path for the first time no one's been through this but I think what you're doing with your videos and engagement is fantastic and a quick look at your Facebook page shows the number of comments and shares and you know the majority are all really positive and I think that's a great reflection on you and the team and the festival so he's hoping you've got a little bit longer to plan for 2022 (laughs) and I'm sure people will be busting to get out as you said to the regions in particular and and support these amazing festivals. And we think with that cancellation video, we were just wanting to, in this sort of environment, there's so much negativity, we wanted to put out a cancellation video that was a bit of fun, shows that we will be sad, but still keep the sense of humour of Parks Elvis Festival and make it a little bit um, personalised to our, our fans. And it's been, the response to that, we're a little bit nervous when we hit you know publish and uh, we watched all the comments and they've all been positive. And we've had over 60,000 views uh, 60,000 reach on that as of last week. I haven't checked it this week, but uh, the response has been great. And to have the number of people you did, not just within parks, but, you know, around Australia and internationally to come on board and give those positive messages all helped reinforce that message, I think. So well done on that. It was, yeah, it was beautiful, actually. It was a really great reflection, as you said, on parks being such a friendly town and it really makes you want to go and visit, not just for Elvis, but, you know, at other times of the year as well. And I think that was the hardest thing about cutting that final video is we actually had many more messages than that. And it was like, how do we choose the best ones and who do we leave out without offending them? And we're still trying to show some of the other videos over the next few weeks, but we had fabulous support from yeah, throughout the world. Oh, that's fantastic. Well done. What have been some of the biggest challenges? Obviously, COVID's one and you've touched on accommodation, but what have been some of your other biggest challenges with the festival since you've been involved? Uh, I would say 2020, if you're talking about an individual challenge, was probably one of the biggest with the bushfire situation that we're in. And, uh, you know, what what happened on the Friday of the festival, it was just one of those days you wish you weren't working in events. We had... You know, people struggling to get here. I had personal connections with family who were suffering with the bushfires and uh, we had massive dust storms were in the middle of a drought. At times you couldn't see for the months leading up, you, you couldn't actually see at all. And then we had a performer collapse on stage who we thought had had cardiac arrest in front of a, a packed crowd. We had to clear the auditorium and luckily he was okay. 
And then I just sat down in the office to start looking at the next day and then this massive dust storm hit and we had to go down and stop. It just came from nowhere. There was absolutely no warning at all. Hickle Park, we had to stop. I had to stop the concert mid-song. So that's probably the the funniest stage appearance I've ever done running on and telling them to get off straight away and it's lucky that we did. Got home that night. We probably got to bed about 6am. The total park was trashed. I couldn't see with the dust in my eyes at all. and not exaggerating, could not actually see. I was driving home at about 10k's an hour and we had to start for the street parade the next morning and I've looked at the park and gone, how are we going to do this? I've got back in at 6 our crew's incredible. It looked like nothing had happened. The park was reset. We had a beautiful day, beautiful weather, and uh, a great festival. But yeah, that was that was a challenge. <laughs> oh my gosh! Uh, wow. But yeah, but if you're talking big challenges, obviously uh, there's many for a festival this size. And, and I know I've spoken uh, at a few conferences regarding success, and that's probably one of our biggest challenges is caused by the success that we've had. And the way that, you know, with the lack of accommodation and price gouging, costs of goods, there's a range of challenges around that component. Oh, goodness. I, that dust storm, I know what you're talking about. January was insane. And if you haven't lived through one of those dust storms, it's just, yeah, something you'll probably, it's so hard to describe. But, yeah, I can't even imagine what you and the team went through. So well done on doing that. Yeah, what an effort. So let's talk about where you see Parks Elvis Festival going in the future. What do you see happening? What are you excited about? Look, I can't see it going away. I can see it getting bigger and better every year and being around for another 29 years. I think, in, in fact, I shouldn't probably say bigger. I think we're sort of getting to the capacity uh, for the event itself, but I think it can always get better. So we'll, we're a creative team. We'll be looking for more ways to, to bring in different elements of Elvis. Um, one of the challenges is actually providing a uh, variety of entertainment around one entertainer. So there's a limited number of performers that actually do that style. So trying to get different entertainment styles that are linked um, to Elvis. And, and last year we did that with Adam Harvey and his tribute to Elvis Country. So we brought in another unique element which worked brilliantly. But we'll be looking for a lot more fan interaction. That's what they're after. So we've introduced new workshops and, and things where people can actually get you know, hands-on, learn something, uh, learn a skill and continue to just put in new elements that will attract a bigger target market. Yeah, that's that's so exciting. So in terms of your target market at the moment, are you getting a particular demographic or are you really catering for everyone? Look, we've always got the older demographic. Our main market is really 50 plus people who've grown up with Elvis or the first generation under. However, we're getting a really younger rockabilly target market at the moment who we're aiming for who love the festival and the favorite part of the festival last year was actually watching Greg Page perform he was doing a tribute to the TCB band and absolutely brilliant and I looked at the crowd and it was all ages so there were little kids who knew him from the Wiggles there were adults who knew him from the Wiggles and you know the grandmas dancing it was just incredible it's my favorite photo because it just shows the range of people that we're attracting to the festival because there's something for everyone and often we've had journalists come here who've you know aren't a fan of of Elvis and have been sent here to cover it and they've gone away an Elvis fan converted and come back every year 
Oh, well done. That's exciting. And the Wiggles sure do have that pull, don't they? I know when they had their concerts at the end of last year, or maybe it was in January this year, they were pulling people from all demographics. So yeah, that's great to see. Can we talk a little bit about your personal experience and how firstly you got into events, but how you went from living in Brisbane to ending up in parks? Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Look, I've worked in events for well over 20 years. I was actually, when I first got interested was I used to go to White City and work on the New South Wales Tennis Open when I was a kid to go through school, worked in the ticket uh, ticket box there. And I remember I had to choose like my courses and event management didn't exist in those days. It was before the Olympics. And I just remember standing back and going, wow, wouldn't it be great to actually run something like this? And from there, I I studied sports studies and then I sort of went into different sporting events, which you mentioned at the start of the interview. And then from that, I decided to go into music, which has always been my passion. And you'll find in event management, it's all, doesn't matter what the entertainment is, it's all the same formula. So I've been able to move between music and sport and arts, uh, which has been brilliant. I actually had a couple of kids in Brisbane, so I had a bit of a break from traveling the world. And I used to teach at university in event management and and different courses there. And my good old mum sent me the ad. I grew up in Cowra only an hour away. And she said, look at this. Wouldn't it be great to move back back home? And, yeah, I sort of wanted the grandkids to be closer to their family and and to come back near home. And also work in an event I could really see that makes a difference to the local community and, and make an impact. I love regional events and I love what they do for the local community and yeah, decided to move. Oh, I bet Parks is happy you did. Had you been to the Elvis Festival before you'd moved back to take over the role? I hadn't, but it used to be a case study in the event management course that I was tutoring in. So I knew a fair bit about it, but I really didn't understand it till I got here. And um, yeah, the first year was a real eye-opener and it's just, yeah, it's, it's been brilliant. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much. Is there anything else you want to um, talk about before we get into our behind-the-scenes questions? I think we've pretty well covered it. But, uh, you know, if you want to work in event management or, or come to the festival, uh, it's, it's something unique. I really want to build this up to be like a bucket list event. We've already started to capture the international touring market. There's even, you know, there's a young group from Germany who came over, these young guys, just to go to the Elvis Festival. And we want to start getting it on sort of the international touring route for people. So we're getting there and um, I can't wait to see how it goes in the future. That is so exciting. And yeah, hopefully by 2022, those international borders are opening um, up. So it'll make it a little bit easier for you. But yeah, I think there's lots of potential there. And again, just watching that video with the number of international faces that popped up, I think you're in, you know, good stead to, to really make that happen. So well done. Thank you. Okay. So our quick, fun behind the scene questions to wrap this up. What's the last event you went to? Jimmy Barnes in Tullamore, so run by some other locals, and that was in a massive dust storm. Again, they didn't know if that was going to go ahead, but despite a lot, it was a great event, and we had a huge amount of fun and came home absolutely covered uh, to top to bottom in dust. Was that this year? That was uh, the end of last year. End of last year, okay. Yeah, the dust just gets everywhere, doesn't it? Everywhere. (laughs) Yeah. What's your favourite event that you've been to? Besides Parks Elvis Festival, of course. Of course. 
uh, would have to be probably the most memorable was Bob Marley's birthday party in Jamaica uh, that we managed to crash. And obviously Bob wasn't there, but it was very interesting uh, and a really great night. And also I love the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. It's one of my favourite events. Great. Good. Yep. Good ones. Which event is on your bucket list? Britt, going back to my sports uh, sports days, I'd love to see an NBA final in the US. Uh, it's been one of my dreams. Uh, I've been to the US but never during the season. So I'd also like to go to Burning Man just to see what that's really all about. Me too. Um, but if you're talking... <laughs> that was on um, Greg from Big Red Bash said that one as well. I think we'll have to take a contingent over there. I think we will. Um, and I've also loved to locally, like I like to support local, but I'd love to go to Woodford Folk Festival, uh, which I've never got to go to due to the fact of the timing. And I was hoping to go this year when we were cancelled and then they're cancelled as well. So one day. One day. One day you'll get there. Okay. Glastonbury or the Super Bowl? Glastonbury, hands down. You haven't been? Of- I haven't been and uh, it's one of my biggest regrets when I was living in the UK that I was, I was a broke backpacker in those days and um, I didn't get there, but I will one day. Yep, I hear you on that. And your favourite thing about the festivals and events industry? I think it's the people you meet. It's a fabulous uh, group of people that the performers, the other event managers, the variety that you have in a day. Like you, you get up in the morning and you have absolutely no idea what is going to happen. You can have perfect plans, uh, but you're going to have to think on your feet. And often it's those magical moments, the spontaneous performances that just make your day. Oh, beautiful. My favourite part of the events day is actually getting up in the morning before the crowd's there, watching the setup and seeing an empty space and then just how it transforms and standing back at the end of the night and, and looking at it again and the mess and getting ready for the next day. (laughs) So well said. So well captured. Well, thank you so much. It's been amazing and lots of great, you know, nuggets of information and advice in there. So I think a big one is about people who do want to reach out maybe for that actual event management experience, being able to contact you through the website because that's an amazing offer for an an event of your um, calibre. So, yeah, I'd really encourage people to maybe look into that on your website. We'll put the link in the show notes and good. Good luck. Enjoy this time to get on top of those many tasks that maybe, you know, don't get seen to in a normal year. So enjoy the extra time. And we look forward to a um, maybe not bigger, but a better Elvis Festival 2022. Thanks so much, Belinda. I can actually look forward to Christmas shopping and putting up the tree this year uh, with a bit more time. And uh, yes, definitely planning a massive 2022. Thank you. You won't know yourself. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Eventualities podcast. Subscribe for future episodes and the best way you can support us is by leaving a review which helps others find the podcast.